everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford. And I'm Peter Glassford. So today we're talking about something that's sort of near and dear to, I'd say, both Peter and my hearts, which is weightlifting, powerlifting in specific. Um, as I tell our guest, I have a, a bit of a... Uh, the one thing I can brag about with this is at one point in college, I accidentally won the bench press championship for women under 145 pounds uh, in the, the weightlifting gym where I spent a lot of my time. That's impressive. You probably bench press more than I do. There's a distinct possibility. I remember in high school, I actually, we had to do fitness testing and bench press was one of them. And there was one for most reps you could do with 120 pounds. And then there was max reps. That seems reps. really unfair. Yeah. And then there was max reps. So conveniently, I finished both tests in the, the same, the same, mm-hmm. same test because I only did, I think it was a stretch to say I did 120 pounds once, but that was basically, it was done. It seems really, really unfortunate. Uh, when I did it, it was half your body weight. So, hey, it's pretty good. I was a little bigger in high school. Mm. Yeah, 240 pounds. Yeah. A tough time, tough time. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so even, even now that we don't, I wouldn't say either of us are power lifters by any stretch, but we do both strength train pretty regularly, a lot more body weight stuff. Um, but still do some heavy work when we are Well, and I think the, the thing to remember, you know, powerlifting's a, a, a discipline, you know, a way to compete with, with strength training, but it's, it's really the lifts you think about. You know, most people, if they're, you know, decent with their strength training stuff, they're going to be doing some squatting, some deadlifting. Bench is maybe less common, especially in endurance athletics, but certainly those are, you know, when you think about going to the gym, those would be, you know, three of the big ones, I think. Yeah, so we've talked a bunch, I'd say, in recent weeks about strength training because I think most of our athletes do some amount of strength training. Like most of the people we've had on talk about some yeah, strength sure. training regimen. For sure, I think, and you're seeing that more and more common now, Absolutely. even in the endurance athletics, that people are incorporating some sort of strength training in there. Yeah. And I'm certainly pushing athletes. What yeah. have you been doing for your strength training recently? Uh, I have been doing every morning some core stuff, but that core has actually spent five minutes of planks. Uh, so of yeah, kind pretty of a specific few, with it. Yeah. few different varieties, and I think that covers kind of a lot of ground. And you've been doing it now for how long? Strong. It's been like two weeks. That's like three weeks almost, and okay. it's been going really well. The and, planks, and we might have to start adding weight to my back or something, because yeah. it's starting to feel pretty good. Yeah. Well, we're farm sitting right now, and there's two dogs, so you might be able to get one to sit on you or something. Oh, Alice definitely would sit on my back. Yeah. I don't know that I could handle Macwa yet. No. That would be a pretty burly lift. Yeah, and I've been going with more of a random core routine, mm-hmm. but you know, some some you know, I try and rotate through um, different sort of focuses every day of the week. So one day I might do you know a few sets of you know weighted lunges. The other day I might do a few sets of Romanian deadlift. The other day I might do you know more similar to maybe what Molly's doing with some you know leg uh, lifts and planks and you know so forth some quote unquote core work. So. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, it's pretty impressive. Like, I mean, by the end of the week, you've got 70 minutes in, you know, minimum, because I'm doing, I'm doing 10, sort of 10 to 15 I think that's minutes. my favorite part of it. Yeah, like by the end of the week, you've done a full-on, like, burly strength session. Without, and it goes by fast. Without like feeling it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, some mornings it's tough, but definitely it's... I've also found it wakes me up a lot more. Like, I'm yeah. definitely a lot more energetic and, like, And I think once to... you start, too, like, after, they always say, like, after seven sessions or after, you know, I don't know what the number is. Some people say it's after, like, 21 days or something. But 
Um, it just, you, you know, you wake up and that's what you do. No different than, you know, you're probably used to putting your shirt on, you know, or, or putting your pants on or maybe you're not, but you know, that's stuff you do when you wake up and it just, that's how, that's the, the cost to get started with your day, right? You got to go through these, this little routine. So, oh, we just told everyone how you sleep. Yeah. So yeah, but I've been having really good luck with that. Actually, I've had a lot of clients sort of as our preparation phase for training. Um, you know, that's been sort of the buy-in here has been to do this morning core routine and a few clients do it in the evening, but, um, yeah, it's been, it's, I've had a really good buy-in. I don't think I've ever had strength training buy-in this, this good. And, yeah. and it's, yeah, I think, you know, some people all just keep on this, I think for a while and just keep pushing them to progress the, the movements, you know, mm-hmm. those 10 minutes can become more and more, uh, weighted. Uh, more and more challenging as they get stronger yeah um you know and that's just going to boost work capacity but again to have 70 minutes of strength training when you know a lot of times i'm fighting people to do two by 30 minute sessions and you know you have to warm up and you know do all that stuff so usually it's i think this is a good way to do it so anyhow yeah that's how we've been getting into strength training so but so strength training for you know endurance and adventure and stuff like we talk a bunch with uh, our our guests today about how if you're going to do any kind of adventure activity, you know, whether that means you're coaching hockey or like refing for your kids, which he's done, or I mean, honestly, thinking about picking up a kayak, if you're going river kayaking, being able to handle that weight. No, for sure. Like if you strength train, it certainly armors you to do a lot of stuff. A lot more. Um, I love uh, one quote from him today actually was, uh, it never hurts to be strong and it never hurts to look good. I will say my abs are probably a little more defined than they ever have been thanks to this uh, daily core routine. So I am, I've bought in, I've bought in hard. But anyway, our, our guest, uh, Robert Herbst, he is actually a powerlifting champion as well as a coach. Multiple times. Yeah, at 58 years old, he's the 18-time world champ, 32-time national champ. He's a member of the AAU Strength Sports Hall of Fame, and he's a coach. He's coached everybody from beginners to elite competitors. And he is with us today to share how to start out in powerlifting um, as training for a first competition or training for life in general. Yeah, it was a pretty good podcast. I really enjoyed talking to Robert. You know, tons of knowledge there as an athlete and coach. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah, he's based in New York and it was, yeah, a lot of good stuff. You know, and and again, not just stay in the gym and lift heavy weights, you know, know, with your mustache and, and everything, right? Like it's... Do I have to put on a mustache when no. I lift weights? No, okay. that's I think was his point, right? Like he he's just really trying to stay fit now, you know, to be able to do stuff with his kids and go out and participate and stuff. So yeah, and he does that actually. If you don't live in New York and can't get coached by him, he has weightlifterusa.com, which is spelled W the number eight lifterusa.com, uh, where he pushes the message of sport and fitness for people of every age. And of course, we'll link to that in the show notes. And I think he mentions it a few times in the podcast. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, enjoy our chat with Robert and definitely let us know if you strength train, how you strength train, and if you have decided powerlifting is right for you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. We're here with Robert Herbst. Uh, he is from New York. He is an 18-time world champion, 32-time national champion, member of the AAU Sports Hall of Fame, and a coach. Strength in Sports Hall of Fame. Strength Sports Hall of, Ca- Hall of Fame. You almost had it. And a uh, powerlifting coach, as well as coach and just uh, purveyor of many different movements, which I'm hoping to get in here. I think we have a very strong, um, almost that's almost a pun, strong consummate athlete here today. Robert, thank you for joining us. 
Oh, th- thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Um, I've, you know, I, I, I try to spread the, the message of fitness and sport and health, and I know you guys are very involved in that. And it's, uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk to your audience. No, very excited. Um, just in our sort of preamble before we got recording here, we were talking a bit about the idea of you know powerlifting, strengthlifting, you know that sort of movement training being sort of the key to the the consummate athlete lifestyle. You know, and you you were talking about how it you felt that it enabled you to stay healthy. You're 58 years old now. If I can, you know, say your age here out loud, it's a matter of public record. And it, my, my kids tease me about being old, but I tell them I've earned every minute of it. So. Yeah, it sort of comes hand in hand, right? Like when you have 18 world championships, like there's <laughs> there's something they only happen every year, I imagine, right? So that, that's true. And that, by the way, that doesn't include the times I was second or third or anything. But you know, it's just so 100%. much you can talk about. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's it. Um, so yeah, so I'm excited here because I do think, you know, I'm a big believer in strength training. Um, I don't have as much of a background in powerlifting per se, but certainly those, those key three movements, which are here is just squat, deadlift, bench, right? Correct. Yes. So, I mean, those are your standard, you know, three of the big, you know, if I, maybe five movements that you might see people doing in the gym, right? So I'm going to drop in my Paul Mayer of uh, having won the Rutgers women's bench press uh, oh, yes. competition Molly. the one year for women oh, that, that's under great. 150 then, pounds. So all right. That's, that's excellent. That was my foray into weightlifting. <laughs> well, powerlifting, you know, per se, um, is not an Olympic sport, but in the Paralympics, they actually have powerlifting and that's the bench press because it's a, it's a good movement for people who, you know, who can't use their lower body really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, the bench press has a lot of applications and, you know, frankly, uh, you know, especially in America, you know, most people have bench pressed at least at one time or other, they fooled around in their basement, they fooled around in high school and, uh, it's something, you know, all the, the myths that used to be of coaches of, you know, if you lift too much, you're going to get muscle bound have gone just the opposite. And in fact, I was talking to someone the other day whose son's, uh, played high school football in Arizona, and from the time they got out of middle school until the time they graduated, they had to follow a weight program that went 12 months a year, and it heavily involved, you know, the the power lifts, uh, you know, bench press, squatting, deadlifting. Um, powerlifting in and of itself, you know, is a sport where you can, can, can compete, and it's very rewarding. I'm just like running. A lot of people run for fitness, but mm-hmm. hey, wouldn't it be great to, you know, try a 10k? You know. Right. So what got you, we always like to sort of start with a bit of your story, like why, you know, over 32 years ago, going off your 32 national championships, why did you start powerlifting or, or just weightlifting, I guess would have been the entrance point? Um, well, I, I started, it, it's almost cliche, um, you know, about the, I'm not sure if I was a 99 pound weakling, but in high school I was, you know, small and skinny as a freshman. And again, this is long before they had... I mean, fantastic high school weight rooms and high school weight training programs and all that. And I, I, I wanted to play. I played a number of contact sports. I was too small for football, but I started playing lacrosse and was basically getting killed as, as a 100-pound freshman. I played hockey as well. And I remember the time I actually realized I was small because I had a collision with one of my teammates. And at the time, he weighed 210 and I weighed 110. And I went flying, and he stayed there. Uh, so uh, I, I thought I, I maybe needed to do something to try to help myself. And coincidentally, I had gone to a lacrosse camp 
where there were all these high school and college All-Americans, you know, walking around. And I said, how do I improve my shot? And they said, well, start, you know, got to work your forearms, so start lifting weights. So I went out and got the, the York 110-pound barbell set um, and started lifting in, you know, my mother's basement on a rug. I didn't even have a bench press bench. I just lay on the floor and push the, pull the weight over on top of me. I, I later learned that I was doing a specific exercise the called floor the floor press, press yeah. which works your triceps. But I just kept doing it, and um, uh, you know, I continued as I got to college. I actually wrestled in college and played lacrosse. And then, kind of one over one other theme that overrode that is I also had scoliosis. I have one hip that's about an inch higher than the other, and it caused me a lot of back pain. And a doctor told me when I was a teenager never to lift heavy things off the ground again. And I, you know, really wasn't excited by that uh, uh, news or instruction. And I thought to myself instead, what if I encased my back in muscle and thereby took a lot of pressure off my spine and so started doing deadlifts and, and things like that. A deadlift is one of the, the competitive power lifts. Such a and, shame because so many people are told that like never, like just blanket, yeah. never, not mm -hmm. like, why don't you learn a way that doesn't hurt and like learn proper mechanics and gradually expose your spine and muscles to more load so that you don't have this issue, you know? Exactly. In fact, over the years, I've told, many doctors have told me, oh, you guys are so far ahead of us on this, mm -hmm. uh, you know, meaning fitness and strength and rehab and, and even steroids and, and things like that. I mean, for a long time... You know, the, the AMA's official position was steroids, you know, didn't help you in, you know, in athletic performance. And, you know, anybody who'd been to a gym in the 70s or 80s knew that wasn't yeah. the case. Uh, yeah, don't do way, it. It doesn't help you. drug-free <laughs> athlete. So, but, but yeah, I, I, I basically went directly against my doctor's advice. And, fat, you know, while my back is still cranky, I think, you know, everybody's back is cranky. Uh, at some point, but I've been able to do a, a heck of a lot and a, a lot more successfully. Yeah, and that's the that's the tough thing, you know. When people hear deadlift, they automatically assume back pain, but you know that's not statistically. Like, there's no study really that like I I really try and stay up to date on all this, and there's no study that says deadlifting is more dangerous. And in fact, most of the time, any of this heavy loading, you know, sort of progressive plans are actually fairly well supported. And I think what gets missed is. You know, how many people sitting on the couch doing nothing like maybe your doctor intended you to do have horrible, like crippling pain? Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. And, and not pain, but, but even weakness and exposure to injury. I mean, for instance, a few years ago, uh, UPS, the delivery service, came up with the, with the idea that they would have all their drivers wear supportive belts while on the job because it would reduce injury. Right. So what happened is they they you know, some injuries decreased while on the job, but they found that their workforce was all getting injured on the weekend. Yeah. Because what happened is all week long, they were wearing these belts, which took the pressure off their back and their abs or, you know, core. And when they then went out to, you know, to do chores around the house and lifted something to clean the gutters or to paint the house, they got injured because they were suddenly weak mm -hmm. where they used to spend all week, you know, all their work week, uh, you know, lifting stuff. So the the person on the couch is actually, you know, exposing themselves to injury, and also they don't get the benefits of exercise. Right. I mean, a movement like the squat or the deadlift 
is known as a compound movement. It uses the major muscle groups. It gets everything involved. And uh, they found that doing that type of compound exercise actually causes your body to produce more growth hormone and more testosterone. And this is in both sexes, by the way. As you know, women, you know, have t testosterone just, you know, less than men, but it's a, an important hormone for them. So you see all these commercials on TV for low T and the pharmaceutical companies, you know, wanting to, to sell you testosterone, um, but you don't have to go out and buy it. You know, your body will make it in response to the exercise. Mm -hmm. And that's also better for you because your body's making to it, making it. To, to meet a demand. You're not giving yourself an artificial doses of an artificial chemical, which you know, can mess with your, your hormonal system. Uh, so there's you know, huge benefits. And no one says you have to go out and deadlift 500 pounds or be in competition, but you can work it into your, your weight program, and it helps you really in any sport. Uh, for example, um, this past summer, I was down in Rio at the Olympics where I was uh, supervising the drug testing for 23 of the sports and in the Olympic Village. And I trained late at night um, in the Olympic Village gym. Uh, I used to call it the coach's hour because all the, you know, the athletes, uh, the coaches were in there, a lot of people my age, and, and they were all lifting and they were all, you know, even their workouts were, were intense and impressive. But one day I was doing deadlifts and I shared the platform with an Australian bronze medalist, Archer. And he had competed earlier in the games and he basically was hanging out in the village and having a good time and, and, and lifting and all that. And um, he, he was doing deadlifts. And my first thought was, you know, an Archer, you know, okay, great. You know, because we all kind of joke about sports like that. That's not a real sport and all that because <laughs> you don't sweat. And but then – you know, in talking to him, and by the way, he was 37 years old, um, in talking to him, it occurred to me that he has to stand perfectly rigid, holding, you know, a, a bow and arrow apparatus perfectly straight while pulling the bow under tension. What's and what tension? better way to train your body than to stand holding several hundred pounds perfectly upright? Mm-hmm. Um, and a deadlift, you know, works all the same muscles that you'd need in archery or anything else. You know, your grip, your arms, your lats, your hamstrings, your spinal erectors, the, the whole kit and caboodle. So, um, awesome. you know, deadlift helps, you know, everything. I mean, another, you know, prime example is Curtis Granderson, the, the baseball player who was with the Yankees and now with the Mets. It's widely known that uh, a few years ago in the offseason, he embarked on a powerlifting program with a lot of deadlifts. And there's videos out there of him deadlifting and things. And the next year, his, he hit, I think, 40 home runs for the Yankees, which he'd never done before. His power and production went way up uh, because he was suddenly you know, a lot stronger. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while he had still, you know, his, he kept his baseball skills, he didn't get muscle bound. And if anything, his, his muscles, you know, you know, were, were even better and uh, reflexes were better because, you know, he had been doing all this weight training. But with his power, what, turned, what used to be singles was now home runs. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, you're seeing that in a lot of different sports now. I mean, I come more from a cycling background and they're pretty resistant to the weightlifting generally, but, you know, I just registered for a coaching conference and a big component of that is the integration of strength training for cyclists. Um, so it's definitely coming around. I think we're still in cycling too focused on the performance benefit and not as much on the like mobility or the, you know, general health benefits, the skill of lifting, you know, avoiding getting hurt out of it. And I think well, that well, gets missed. Well, you know, I mean, if I, if I may interrupt, I mean, cycling, uh, weightlifting will actually help cycling performance. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've worked, for instance, with runners uh, uh, and long-distance runners. Long-distance runners, you know, they say, well, I don't want to get too big. I don't want to look like Arnold. You know, I mean, you know, they don't want to carry the weight around. But what I tell them is, um, you know, you're going to run 10,000 meters or you're going to run a marathon. How many times do your arms pump back and forth? You know, are you keeping, you know, are you holding your arms upright? You know, if you did shrugs, if you did something to work your traps and upper body, they'd get less tired. Uh, you know, similarly, you know, admittedly, I haven't worked with cyclists, but I can just picture, you know, cyclists, you know, they're, they're bent over on the bike, on the handlebars. Um, you know, under tension, you know, because you're tense because you're working hard. Um, if you did compound exercises that worked your hips and your your back and your upper back, they'd be stronger. And just you know, being being strong again, you know, never hurts. No. You'd be able to, you know, have more endurance and keep better form, and maybe be more relaxed on the bike while you're churning away. And that's not even just working the the leg muscles, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, most, a lot of cyclists complain of back pain and, you know, getting shoulder or, you know, I come specifically from mountain biking. So, I mean, certainly the arm pump on large downhills and grip strength, you know, holding onto the thing while you're booming down the right, hill. Right, exactly. Um, all happen. Then, I mean, the power transfer, certainly, you know, if you can think specifically like something like a step up or a lunge, but, you know, you can't get away from how powerful something like a squat or a deadlift gets you and, you know, the, the quote unquote core training that everyone's after really comes, you know. Well, well, certainly, I mean, certainly in a sport like mountain biking where you're, you know, literally <laughs> you're dragging the bike around the track as much as it's, you know, moving you. I mean, that's just a total body exercise and, you know, being stronger, you know, can only help that. But um, even road racing, um, you know, people complain about shoulder and back pain. It's the same if you sit all day in your office at the computer hunched over, um, you're going to get, you know, people complain about pain for that. But gee whiz, what if your back and lats and traps were stronger and you sat more upright and you had a better posture because of all that, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't have that pain. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's, it's very likely that that would be the case. And at least it would be decreased. And, uh, right. You know, we, yeah, I think that, that's good. And I'm wondering here, you know, let's keep the same line of thought, but maybe if you could sort of just differentiate quickly for us, um, you know, people might be familiar with Olympic lifting, uh, weightlifting, and then powerlifting. Is there a quick way you can differentiate? We talked a bit about the three lifts for powerlifting, but, you know, is well, there well, a quick well, sure. Way to... I mean, I mean, you know, it's all lifting weights or weight training, but the events that are contested in the Olympics, for instance, if you watched the Olympics on TV and you looked at the weightlifting, it would be the clean and jerk and snatch, you know, those two lifts. Uh, as I mentioned, in the Paralympics, they do one of the power lifts. They do the bench press. But in a pure powerlifting competition, they do the squat, bench press, and deadlift. And they're just different movements and different exercises, and, and, they're, and they're, they're somewhat different. 
for instance, the, the so-called Olympic lifts, the, the weightlifting, the snatch, and the clean and jerk are a lot more ballistic and more technique-driven, meaning you're moving a relatively lighter weight. And when I say relatively compared to powerlifting, it's a lighter weight quickly, and there's a lot of technique involved. And as you go older, uh, you know, the ballistic part of it um, you know, it makes you more prone to injuries, and, and you know, it's harder to do as you get older. Whereas in powerlifting, with those lifts, uh, there's less technique involved. Obviously, there's a, there's a right way to do anything, but it, it's not so technique-driven. For instance, if you've ever tried to do you know, a snatch and you get a little bit out of the groove or something, you know, the weight falls behind you and it's over. Whereas if you're squatting and you kind of lean forward, you can kind of maybe rescue it. Use more back than legs or whatever, but you, you can rescue it. And also the power lifts are a lot heavier. For instance, as a, as a middleweight, uh, I've deadlifted what the super heavyweights clean and jerk in the Olympics. So when, you know, I know, for instance, I've deadlifted 500 pounds in competition. So I know what 500 pounds feels like. I just got it to my waist but you know, someone who weighs literally twice what I do can can get it overhead. But you know, it gives you a, cr- a great conception of you know what the weights feel like and what other people are doing. Um, you know, when when they do the Olympic lifts. Also, the power lifts uh, work muscles that the Olympic lifts don't. For instance, the bench press uses your chest and it uses your triceps a lot more. It's more of a pushing motion. They used to do the military press in the Olympics, but they stopped that after the 70s and um, uh, because it got too hard to judge because people were kind of leaning back. In fact, if you look at pictures of uh, Olympic lifters from the 50s and 60s and compare them to now, you know, back then they had huge shoulders and you know, arms and triceps because they lifted all the types of lifts just in the gym and then they you know, would go out and do the clean and jerk and you know, get medals for it. And I guess, you know, also it's interesting, um, just as an aside, it happened a couple times in this Olympics and it, it happened a few times, uh, you know, in, in the last few and it always used to kind of makes TV is the Olympic lifters seem to be dislocating their elbows and it, oh, it, it's yeah. a, you know, a horrific injury and it makes it for great television, but, but that never used to happen before. And I think the reason is nobody has any triceps. You know, when it, when it used to be you do the military press and you'd clean 250 or 300 pounds to your chest and then press it up, it was all, you know, arms. It was deltoid and triceps and all that. Now they don't have that. So when they clean and jerk, you know, some weight and they try to get it overhead, their, their arm can't withstand that. Sure, um, that so, so, so one of the, the beauties of, of the power lifts is they work all the major muscle groups and, and they do it in a, in a more controlled fashion. Right. Now, do you guys uh, do anything as far as, I mean, to me, it seems like you're missing sort of that horizontal pull with those three lifts. I mean, with the exception of bending over for the deadlift and sort of isometrically holding it. Would you do something like a bent over row or something as sort um, of your Yes, definitely. I mean, a bent over row is is one of the, the main exercises that people do in training for their lats, their latissimus dorsi, you know, for their back. Uh, bent over row is a great exercise because it, it works your grip, it works your forearms, it works your biceps, it works your lats, and it's kind of the opposite of doing a bench press mm-hmm. where you're bent over and you're lying, you know, pulling the weight up to you. And a bench press, 
as you bring the bar down, you're lying down, but you're also using your lats a lot because the, the lats control the, the descent of the bar. In fact, when you do a bench press, you actually kind of do a lat spread, you know, as if you were a bodybuilder posing. Right. Uh, so, yeah, bent over rows are great. And, and they're also very good because uh, if you're done with proper form, they work the lower back, they work your, your core, your abs, you know, because those have to be tight. They work your hamstrings. And would you, uh, would you, you do know. that from like a deadlift position or, would you, or do you prefer more like the, the hand on the box or hand on the bench type one side at a time approach? Um, well, it depends. I mean – um, you can do them, you, you can do dumbbell rows. Right. Uh, so you're thinking more like the traditional, pick, I, I was thinking of a bar. regular straight bar. Yeah. I mean, cause you said bent over rows. Yeah. So bent over rows to me is a, um, is, you know, two bars, excuse me, you know, a, a barbell with two hands on it and you're just bent over, you know, you'd pick it up and then you kind of lean over and do it. Um, a dumbbell row you know, you can do and, and, you know, and it's good to, to mix it up. It's, it's good, you know, isolation. Sure uh, my problem is at some point my grip, you know, is weaker than my, my lats, right. you know, and my biceps are. So I, you know, have to then start cheating and using, you know, lifting straps or something like that. Right. Do you work um, on grip strength? I mean, that's something that we've come through a few different sports and people we've talked to, things like rock climbing. Um, I'm trying to think when else it's come up. Certainly mountain biking, it comes up. But obstacle course races. The obstacle course races because they're hanging off of stuff so much. Do you do any specific grip strength training in that? You know, you're certainly picking 500 pounds off the ground is going to challenge that, like you say, pretty quickly. But do you do anything like farmer's carries or, you know, stuff with sand I've seen and stuff like that? Do you do anything like that? Yes, absolutely. In fact, I do farmer's walks every Saturday, rain or snow. I like it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, and what do you and, use? Are you using like two barbells or like how, what are you using to hold? You got something you prefer? I actually have, uh, I, I train at home and I went out and I bought farmer's walk handles because I go heavy. Um, for example, this past weekend I did 205 pounds in each hand. Uh, and then, frankly, my limiting factor is my grip, and they give out. It gives out before everything else does, and so then I, you know, I did that. And I, after I did the two hundred five for a certain distance. And by the way, two hundred five in each hand. That's you know, picking up four ten. Just picking it up alone is 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 a is a good workout. Yeah. Is I did um, one fifty five for a much farther distance. Um, first I did it up a, a slight grade. I, I, I was home in my backyard and then I have a kind of a slope driveway and then I went out to the street, you know, much to the, you know, the neighbors are used to it now. In fact, my, you know, when my kids were in high school, I had, used to have like, you know, half the wrestling team over on Saturdays, you know, cause they were all, you know, out there and we were doing this. Um, you know, I would do a much longer distance with a more moderate weight. I had 155 in each hand, um, for uh, and you basically, I just go down the street until you know my arms are on fire. Right. Uh, um, you so, know. So um, just to, to so the handles are something that you're putting them onto uh, two barbells. Is that well? Well, they make farmers walk handles, which are kind of like a shorter version of an Olympic bar with a handle attached, kind right. of like a. Um, so you're attaching kind of like the like the top of a, a chair, you know, some sort of right angle, right. you know, thing, you know, handle stuck on that. And if people go on the internet, they can look up farmers walk handles, and they're sold by a lot of, you know, by a lot of outfits. And that just allows me to carry a lot more weight than 
than dumbbells. I mean, my local gym, the dumbbells go up to 120. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if I'm doing 205, you know, 120 is not really helping me. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, for people just starting out, yeah, uh, it's plenty. Yeah, I can do it. But but one of the things to work your grip is try not to be reliant on on wrist straps. For instance, I only use wrist straps when I go over a certain amount, like 315 or something, and I'm really working my shrugs, and I, I don't want to be worried about my grip. I want to concentrate on, on my traps you know, that I'm working for. So if you do the exercises with, without the straps and you make your body, you make your forearms do the work, for instance, the, ben- the, the dumbbell rows that we talked about, you know, some people, I see them in the gym, they've got straps on with 30 pounds or 40 pounds. Well, right. you know, that's, that's, you know, you're, you're cheating yourself. Yeah. Um, and that's what I've, yeah. I've found too, you know, I've worked in the gym and it's usually people who are pretty early in their gym and weightlifting exposure. Right. And then also obviously a bit of a bias towards cycling clients. Um, right. and these are people who, you know, dream of doing pull-ups a lot of the time, you know, fearful almost of hanging from a bar and then certainly right. you, you give them a 15 pound dumbbell and they're they're shuddering and thinking it's too heavy right so do you do you deal with that you know as far as beginners at that level very much in your gym i mean you know i, I do um in fact a, a lot of times you know there's different trainers and everything and i'll I, you know i kind of just like watch a trainer train some you know train a grown man and she's having him you know do squats and he's holding 10 pound dumbbells in each hand and i'm saying to myself this is like a grown man you know i, I want to i don't do it but i don't go you know i want to go over and say you know you're just wasting your time i mean you know you, you get more of a workout carrying groceries from your car right uh Basically, if someone hasn't lifted at all or hasn't lifted in a very long time, I have them do body weight exercises for two or three weeks you know, just to kind of get them used to it. You know, push-ups, uh, one-legged squats, uh, you know, things like that just to get things going. You know, pull-ups, chin-ups, you know, hanging from a bar. I mean, I, I've read that, you know, the average you know, American male can't bench press his body weight. You know, so they have to start doing, you know uh, – you know, body weight movements. And that also helps get them going because it's kind of hard to get someone motivated to lift weights when they've got, you know, 25-pound plates on the bar, which would bring a, you know, weight to 95. And there's some, you know, <laughs> woman or high school kid next to them doing, you know, 120 or 100, you know, that's, you know, and that, so, you know, I try to avoid the embarrassment factor by, by getting them into shape to at least start training uh, with weights that, you know they they don't feel bad about and then i tell them also it's not important to, to you know how much you're lifting but always try to use good technique to start and and then the strength will come right um, and and by the way one more thing i wanted to throw in about grip is there are other exercises you can do like uh, wrist curls or reverse curls or things like that they're more bodybuilding like you know but yeah, but it's it's you know it's, it's nice to use you know i mean to to have good looking forearms mm-hmm. i mean my kids one fathers day gave me a you know a shirt with popeye on it uh you know because of you know my forearms so sure. um you know so it's it's you know it never hurts to, you know i said it never hurts to be strong never hurts to look good either you know i mean mm-hmm. you know there's nothing wrong with that you know i just don't happen to be a bodybuilder per se you know i'm not trying to be you know in physique contests or anything sure. but it never hurts to be you know to look big and strong and be big and strong no, and I think sometimes we forget, you, you mentioned it earlier, I think on tape here that, you know, powerlifting had a lot of stuff 
figured out for a while. And I think bodybuilding also has a lot of things that are pretty valuable. And they just, as you say, like no one wants to look like Arnold. So we're going to ignore every single thing that that whole discipline has, you know, tested for, you know, a long time, decades. But the average person I mean, doesn't look like Arnold. Arnold right, would look know, like Arnold. Right. Yeah, exactly. We laugh, you know, oh, I don't want to get too big. I don't want, <laughs> don't worry. especially like when women, you know, I train yeah. women, like, I don't want to get too big. I said, don't worry. Don't worry. You don't have, <laughs> you don't have the hormones. You don't have the whatever. We're not no. going to go visit a pharmacist. You know, do yeah. not worry. You're not going to look like these girls on TV. I, I have the same thing yeah. with cyclists I work with, right? Because it's like, there's so much volume in there. I'm like, when we start gaining weight, and there's these muscles popping out of everywhere. Can we have this discussion then? And yeah, until you, then, let's keep increasing weight as like appropriate. When your jersey doesn't fit, we can talk. Well, well the, the funny thing is, again, you know, if you look at pictures of, of the lifters from the 40s or 50s or 60s, um, Tommy Kono, whom you may have heard of, he, he just died uh, a few months ago, was um, an American. He was a... Japanese American, you know, you may have heard the story. He was interned in one of the internment camps during World War II, and he started lifting. And he won gold medals in lifting in the '52 and '56 Olympics, and uh, took a silver in 1960. And he was voted, you know, one of the greatest Olympians of all time, you know, in 2000. And not just of weightlifting, but of all Olympians, you know, Mark Spitz or Carl, you know, Carl Lewis or, or anybody. And he also, along the way, won the Mr. Universe title. Because again, you know, in, in those days, people just lifted weights and they lifted a lot and they did a lot of exercises. And when it became time to enter the Olympics, you did the clean and jerk. And when it became time to enter the Mr. Universe, you, you know, you kind of worked on your posing a little. But just by doing, you know, a lot of exercises, a lot of different ways, you got muscular. Um, the pictures of him, by the way, you know, he looks great, but he, he doesn't look anything like you'd see on one of the magazines today because, you know, he, he wasn't taking steroids and, you know, he wasn't totally concentrating just on physique or anything. But, um, you know, for, for a 165-pound you know, Japanese guy, you know, he, he, he looked pretty good. He looked pretty good for anybody. Yeah. And again, one of the best Olympians, greatest Olympians ever. Uh, yes. And I think, yeah, the message is, you know, they were focusing on that and doing a lot of things as far as nutrition, if not from other components yeah. that maybe were augmenting that and they weren't training as, you know, endurance athletes or whatever. So, mm. you know, I think there's a lot of benefit you had alluded earlier to, you know, just opening up a lot of things like running and you, you mentioned in our, what we were talking at the beginning about jumping into referee a basketball game and stuff, which involves a lot of running on hard court or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, well, well, just as a, you know, I mean, people should, you know, maybe not look at my world championships or, or all that and just, you know, look at the fact that, I mean, one of the things you just alluded to is, while my kids were growing up, I coached their soccer and their hockey and their basketball and their baseball and their lacrosse. And I'm, you know, out there running around with them, um, you know, not thinking anything about it, just kind of doing it because it was there while a lot of the other parents were literally just, you know, sitting in the bleachers watching me. And I, I would call, especially for since, you know, some of the practices, you know, like a little league practice or something, you know, anybody want to come out and, you know, help warm up the pitchers or something, you know, and, and, you know, the average guy can't even get down into a squat to warm up a pitcher, yeah. you know, um, but, you know, and that's just not a, a way to, to, to run your life in my view. But, you know, if, you know, if, you know, in this, if a lot of your, 
you know, viewers or, or listeners or, you know, clientele or, or endurance or, or, or other athletes, you, you can balance the, what you do for your sport and work in the weight training. Uh, you know, again, I was down at the Olympics and was able to see a lot of different, you know, training going on, a lot of different athletes. And the swimmers would go from the pool to the gym. Now, were they doing their max deadlifts that day? No, they were getting ready for the Olympics. They were concentrating, you know, they were tapering their endurance, but they were doing stuff that, that, that fit in, you know, and, and there's a time and a place for everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've been running for six months steady and really putting in the distance and pounding yourself and it's about to be winter and the weather's going to be miserable, maybe you back off the running a little and it's a good time to work on your strength and, and heal up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that way when you get back in the spring and you know you start stretching out the distance again you're that much stronger and that much more more healed right um, you know you know we're talking about powerlifting but the powerlifting lifts you know it's great to challenge yourself. You don't have to enter a competition, but maybe you know while you're training that winter, you you put on the calendar. All right, February twenty first. I'm going to do you know maxes and all my lifts, mm-hmm. and you kind of train for that for two months, and 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 wow, you know I'm doing better than I did last year, and, and then you heal up from all that. You that's know, one and, of the attractions that I think a lot of, especially endurance athletes, but a lot of different sports for actually sure. find. A, that they like about strength training is that you can sort of map that out, especially when you're new, you can basically plot that linear gains, you know, chart and increase by five pounds or whatever every week or every session. And, you know, know that in January you'll be able to do 300 pounds, you know, or whatever, maybe not 300 pounds, but you know, X number of pounds more. Right. Well, I mean, one of the great things about lifting is, is the success or failure or the achievement is very tangible. I mean, I think we've all gone for a really for a run and thought, "Wow, that was really good." And then we look at our watch and we go, "What? Yep. <laughs> you know, how how could I have been that slow, man? I thought I was having a good day." You know? <laughs> you know, but but you know, in lifting, you know, you either lift it or you don't. And if you just you know deadlifted two hundred pounds and your personal best before that was one ninety, wow, it's there. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you did it. And then if for whatever reason you didn't, well, then, you know, okay, well, I didn't, you know, and I, you know, but, but where did I miss the lift coming from the bottom, you know, in the middle, you know, wherever, you know, um, what do I have to work on? So, um, you know, the, the success or failure is very tangible. And, you know, as for athletes, even just people training to be in shape, it, it, it's great to push yourself. It's great to, to you know, that, mm-hmm you know, test oneself, to test one's, one's limits. Right. I mean, you know, the, the beauty of sport, I mean, for instance, you know, I'm a lawyer, you know, I can like work, write a contract or, you know, give comments or something, but there's, you know, 50 other lawyers who, who do the same thing or give different comments or whatever. But, you know, I go to the gym, you know, you know, I just lifted more than anybody, mm-hmm. you know, or lifted better than I've ever done. I don't know if that's the best contract I've ever done. Or is this the best <laughs> podcast I've ever been interviewed for? I don't know. I, I hope so. I, I think right? so. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, but but you know, tell me it was. But but the the point is the you know the success or failure is is, is tangible and, and and I'll tell you if you lift a heavy weight, it's incredibly satisfying. There's a very visceral, mm-hmm. you know, almost primeval feeling about it. I mean, you know. Yeah, I, I would why, say, and anyone who's addicted to like a runner's high or something like that, which I'm also addicted to, but. Um, definitely some of the, when I've gotten really good with my deadlifts, which is all relative talking to you, mm-hmm. but, um, when I've had some good yeah. lifts, like that feeling, like I was blown after, like 
very right. fatigued off of, you know, a set of five, a set of three, maybe, maybe even just a, I don't do a lot of heavy pulls, but maybe a set of two even. Um, but that's like, yeah, like it's a completely different feeling, but similar. Like you're pretty excited about it, but fatigued yeah. for sure. Like the amount I mean, of fatigue was so surprising to me off of, you know, again, two reps. So like under 10 seconds, right? And then you're just, yeah. Exactly. It's not like runner's high per se, but, you know, certainly after a, a hard workout, I mean, I feel spent. But, I mean, I'll just give an example. I'm, I, I wasn't able to train a lot or heavy um during the Olympics because of just what I was doing. I was, you know, working very long hours and, uh, you know, things were very intense and I kind of budgeted that into my training. I figured, okay, I, I would, um, you know, I've been training hard all year. The nationals were in June. I kind of kept myself going, but you know, I, I knew I'd go light over August. So I'm just kind of building my way back. So and and just to give that, a frame of is that like a whole month you took then as sort of lightweight like ten to twenty rep type thing or were you sort of like full deload more like just a single set of stuff or like how did I'm curious how you did approach that well what, well, what I did is I you know I I kind of you know went into the Olympic gym you know I was like you know usually I train you know four days a week well, first of all I do something every day I stretch every morning. You know, regardless, you know, I've joked that my last day in the nursing home, I will stretch and then, you know, tie. But, um, you know, as opposed to my regular routine, what I did is I kind of went on a maintenance thing, maybe, you know, two or three times a week um, you know, during the Olympics. And, and, and this is the post and, and pre-Olympic period. You know, the Olympics were only about two weeks, but I was there for, for all of August. Um, and I would just do a couple sets of the major things, you know, a couple sets of bench press, um, but I also did them different ways. For instance, I used a much wider grip in my bench press than, than normal. I figured, okay, I'll, you know, I'll stress my chest and my shoulders in a different way. Um, and, or I did some, you know, some close grip for my triceps. But my reason for saying is all this is I'm, I'm slowly, and just to get back to our discussion, is you know, I'm slowly gearing my way back. And for instance, at the Nationals in, in June, I was around the low 400s. And this week I was doing 320 for five reps. So it's roughly 75% of you know, what my max was in June. But between the fourth and fifth reps, you know, I suddenly felt horrible. I put the bar down you know, after the fourth rep and this wave of nausea came over me. And I like, had to like, immediately say, well, let's ignore that. And after years of, because I mean, one of the things powerlifting does is it trains your mind as well, you know. And I, you know, took a breath and started to do the next rep, and the next rep was really hard, and I didn't, you know, I mean, I mean, it was not ultra heavy, but it was just very difficult compared to where I was. But I did the lift, and then I pulled it, put it down, and afterwards, I felt very, very satisfied with myself. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure I did 75% of my max, but from where I was in, in life, you know, I just really pushed myself. And that, that's 75% yeah. of your one rep? Right. Of right. my one so rep. So that's, that's still you know, a pretty the, hard set. Um, right. You know, so, and I did it for five reps. But what I'm saying is there's so many ways to just get satisfaction from the sport. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's my, wow, that was a really good five for, you know, and I did the math and, you know, that, that had been more than I'd lifted in, you know, four months. 
Um, so there's a good way of looking at it. If I said, well, gee, that's only 75% of my max and it's killing me, you know, I get depressed, but you have to look at it, you know, in the proper context. And the season. Yeah. Uh, definitely. You run into that athletes who want to be fit all the time. So they're never really yeah. that, they're never really that fit. They're just always, yeah, you, you can't, you overtrain, you know, yeah. you want well, to you overtrain. Yeah. You just, you're just never peaking, you know, to, to use that right. term if I can, but like, you're yeah. just never going to hit that peak because you never let yourself really recover. You're just sort of moderate and that you might be good enough to do your goals, but to ever like really boost through that is going to be really hard. Right. Well, it's, it's like anything else, like the training, you, you, you have to, you know, your body responds to the stress by, by getting more adapted to it uh, through mechanisms, which they quite don't understand yet. Your, your body even anticipates, for instance, if you lift five pounds, your body repairs itself to, to do six later on. Mm -hmm. um, but at some point, you know, it, it reaches a part where it just can't, recover from the loads and you have to you know drop back mm -hmm. and and you know not only do you deload your training you mentioned deloading but again even while you're training you know you want to stay um you want to take a lot of protein um you want to stay hydrated i think one of the most underrated things is or or, or more neglected things is people aren't properly hydrated mm -hmm. so, sure you know because if you wait till you're thirsty they say it's too late but you should she, and, and, you know, I don't know if there's a formula. People say, you know, eight glasses of water a day, this, that. You know, I, I don't think there's something rigid like that. Um, and, but there's a lot of literature out there. But you should drink, um, you know, a lot of water. Um, I'd stay away from the commercial sports drinks because they're like, you know, Powerade or something or, you know, because they have lots and lots of sugar in them. Yeah, I always uh, say like it, it, it's, it's worth – playing around with right like if people you know wherever you are now just try an extra glass or an extra water bottle a day right. and, and do you feel better and are you performing better after like a week or two weeks or a month at that sort of that yeah. rate right and and, and take them on your non-training day too because you know you actually get stronger out of the gym not in the gym uh you know because you, you you know the gym is the stimulus but then you have to allow your body to respond Right. And it takes 48 to 72 hours to fully recover from a, you know, a good strength workout. So you want to take, you want to make sure during the off day that you're, you're, like I said, I stretch every day, but that's kind of good. It's, it, it means my flexibility, it clears my mind, it, it gets the blood flowing. But I make sure that I, I eat the same during the day, the, you know, an off day than I do on a training day. Sure. Because um, if anything, I'm stocking up for the, the next workout. I stay hydrated. Um, you know, I, you know, if I want, if, if it's been really hot, especially I try to take it like a hydration product, like, um, I mean, your guys probably know about this if they're all cyclists or endurance, but there's a product called Hydrus, H-Y-D-R-U-S, which, um, you know, there's no sugar in it or anything like that. And, and, you know, at this stage of my career, I've tried everything, you know, I mean, not drugs, obviously, but you know, this, that, <laughs> the latest, the latest thing, you know, oh, this is supposed to be good, that's supposed to be good. But Hydrus, I found, you know, actually really, really works. Um, I used it this June at the Nationals in sweltering Evansville, Indiana. And, uh, you know, when I was using it, I, I felt a lot better than I did when I ran out of it. So, okay. Uh, yeah, because that's the interesting thing too, right? Is certainly those electrolytes, you know, matter. And you know, I have a lot of right. clients that go, you know, more of this whole foods uh, type approach, and you know, they start cutting out a lot of these foods that might have had a lot of salt in them, for better or worse. Um, so you actually can run into people who end up really low on sodium. Um, exactly. Even, I mean, even in the, the things... healthiest, you know, appearingly healthiest uh, diet. 
Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, well, exactly. I mean, you know, you should look at it. You know, there's nothing wrong with taking supplements of, of the right kind. And when I say supplements, you know, a good B complex, a C, you know, something like that. I mean, don't forget the minimum daily adult requirement is to keep you alive. Right. You know, 60 milligrams of, of vitamin C, you know, prevents you from getting scurvy. You know, but, but uh, you know, an athlete, especially one who, an endurance athlete or a strength athlete, has much greater requirements than, than the minimum. Yes. So what I so I want to sort of get onto strength training again a bit more. So I'm going to try and do a little bit of like rapid fire sort of here. But what sure. I'm curious is if you, you know, someone stole all your strength training equipment, you didn't have your gym, and you were going to start training, you know, you're isolated in some place or, or however you want to do the thought experiment, what would be the first three things you would get to start to start training? You know, you've exhausted your your body weight and stuff and what you can do with that so now what are what are the first three apparatus well, that you're going to add well it's funny when you say that i mean you know the, my first thought is if i'm on a desert island what i would do is i would get a deck of cards um because if you've ever done a deck of cards of push-ups it will kick your behind and, and a deck of cards of push-ups means you take a deck and you shuffle it and you take a five you know, first card's a five, you do five push-ups. You know, the next card's an eight, you do eight push-ups. Um, there's 448 push-ups in a deck if, if, the, uh, if the aces are high, um, you know. And I'll tell you, you know, by the end, and you don't know because you may get, you know, jack, queen, king, you know. It's a, so a winning hand in poker will kill you. That's interesting. Yeah, I've but, done that with yeah. using the suits as so four exercises. So spades might be push-ups and then, you know, a body right. weight squat might be clubs. So how, how do right. you break it up then when you're doing it only with one exercise? Do you, do you take a certain amount of rest between or are you stretching between? What are you doing in that example? No, I just, I just you know, shuffle the deck, take a card, do a push-up, you know, get down on one, on one knee, lift it, you know, because I got to take, move the next, I can pick the next card with my hand and I go back right to it. Oh. And, and So it's really, and just it's, you're, take, you're essentially just taking a knee in between your sets. Well, right, you know, and okay. right, with long enough just to pick another card. Okay. Um, but if the import of your question, I mean, that's what I would do, for instance, and I've done that, for instance, like on a vacation, it's sure. a great vacation, it's right? Not, it's not, you know, an, it's not traveling. an everyday thing, but it's an interesting way, especially maybe for someone who's getting started and needs a little bit of, you know, oddity or, you know, motivation. Well, to look, do if you're traveling, you're in stuff. your, you know, if you're traveling and you're in your hotel room and there's no gym in the hotel, although a lot of them have some fitness center or something, or, you know, you want to go for a run and it's raining, um, you know, you'll be sore, warning, fair disclosure, you know, yes. you'll be sore for three days. Yeah. But, you know, um, um, but, but what I'm saying, but, you know, there's just things like that. There's so many ways to, to train or antagonize yourself. But, I mean, if the import of your question is, I mean, I mean you know, what kind of physical equipment would I exactly. want? Exactly. And know. I think if we were going to get, like, for you to power lift, like, what would be the first, like, what are the key th- first sort of three purchases someone would get? The first three purchases, if you wanted to set up, like, a home gym, for example, um, you would get a barbell. Um, you know, an Olympic bar yep. with lots and lots of plates of various denominations. I would get a power rack where you could do squats in it, but also the beauty of a power rack. And if people are not familiar with it, a power rack is basically a large rectangular cage um, where there's holes going up the the supports where you can put different rods through that go all the way through. And those rods can support the weight at different heights. 
So you can put them at a low weight and then squat and it'll, it'll catch you if you miss it. But also it allows you, if you put them at different heights, to, to take a weight off and, and maybe lock out a deadlift from a higher weight or you know, shrug from a, from a weight or something like that. Um, so I would get you know, the barbells, I would get a power rack because that would enable me to squat and do deadlift and rowing variations and things like that. And I would get a sturdy bench to bench press. Uh, and, and one that allows you to do it properly, one that's wide enough so that your, you know, your shoulders are on the bench. Um, it's funny. I've been to commercial gyms um, where their main bench was like a folding bench where you could also do inclines. So it had this big crease in the middle of it where your lower back went. You know, yeah, I always find that annoying because you can never know where yeah. stuff goes and it's never in the right spot. Yeah, is is there never... a brand you prefer for, the, for any of those, but the bench specifically, I guess, to stir? Um, I don't know if there's a branch per se, but if I'm allowed to plug someone and I have absolutely no relationship to this place, um, there's a place, I think it's called either EFS or EFT. I get emails from them almost every day cause I watch that from them, but they're in Ohio. And if you look them, look at, if you look them up, it stands for elite fitness, something. So I think assistance, so I think it's EFS and they have Really, really good, you know, power lifting uh, type equipment. In fact, that's where I got my farmer's walk handles. But not only that, but they, they sell, you know, lots of literature um, that tells you how to do the lifts and things like that. And again, full, I have absolutely no commercial relationship. In fact, if they're listening and they get a lot of business, maybe they can, you know, give me a free, you, you know, I don't know, rather, give me a free T-shirt or something, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, see, the thing is, you know, compared to when I started, there's so much information out there. There's so much online. There's videos of, you know, by people of how to do it, uh, you know, how to perform the various lifts. There's stuff on nutrition. I mean, there's a lot of misinformation too, frankly. But if I wanted to buy, um, you know, proper equipment, um, you know, I would go to one of the large reputable suppliers. Uh, for instance, York Barbell has been a standard forever, um, you know, since I don't know the 30s or 40s, and like I said, I, I started with the York 110 pound set. Um, you know, I don't know if their prices are competitive with everybody, but they've been a standard, and you can buy you know certainly good bars and good Olympic plates and, and things like that. Um, Olympic lifting bars are different than powerlifting bars. Olympic lifting bars are, are thinner and have more spring to them because that helps you when you do a heavy clean and jerk but you don't want a bar with that much spring for example when you're squatting because if you walk back under any kind of heavy load the whole thing starts like bouncing up and down you know the plates start bouncing up and down on you so it's harder to control so you might want a power bar which is is, is thicker uh, and, um, and and but i mean would a olympic bar become a problem like you'd have to be lifting a fair bit before you started actually bending it Oh, right. I mean, a regular Olympic bar, you know, wouldn't be an issue for your average person. I'm just, yeah. you know, again, you know, anticipating, yes, you know, is, right ahead. Yeah. Uh, and it was for you on the deserted island. So we do. We yeah. Need to be right. For me on the deserted Right. This is my wish. You know, unless <laughs> I dream of Jeannie, her bottle washes up or something, you know, that's like, there you go. but if anybody remembers that old TV show. Um, and also, you know, as far as personal equipment goes, I would get a good shoe you know, not a runner's shoe, um, but but either a lifting shoe that has some sort of a heel because that helps you in the in the squat. Um, some people squat in work boots, and the reason I say not a runner's shoe is shoes that have a spongier 
soul, as you do the lift, the first part of the lift, the exerting the pressure, is compressing the soul. So it's, it's not actually, the energy is going into the, the, the shoe, it's not going into the lift. So for instance, if, you know, some days when I, um, I deadlift in wrestling shoes because you don't want to heal, you know, and they're perfectly flat. But if I'm ever in a gym or just traveling or whatever, I'm wearing like sneakers or something, you can feel that as you get down and you pull against the bar, the bar's not moving, but your, your shoes are compressing. So, you know, um, and also you don't want to have the kind of, you know, sneaker or running shoe where the shoe kind of, the, the heel kind of flares out on either side. Um, just because it's, again, you know, it's a, it's a different effect than the weight's distributed. So you'd, you'd want a decent, solid shoe or, or, or work boot. Um, and then also, if you're getting any heavier, um, you might want to get a, a power belt, uh, you know, which is a good uh, weightlifting belt, but not one of these flimsy fitness belts that you see, but one of the power belts. Because as you lift, um, there's ways to use the belt for technique. What the belt does is, is it tightens, as you tighten it, it compresses the you know, fluids and gases, not to get too technical, of your abdomen uh, around the spine. So it gives more support. But as you lift, you can learn to, for example, to, to push your, your abs you know, out against the belt and you get greater leverage that way. So as you start to get into heavier weights, you know, technique is important. And you might as well take advantage of good technique because that allows you to lift more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you wear the belt and you uh, use proper technique and, you know, just to take numbers out of the sky, if you can lift 25 pounds more, well, then your, your, you know, your legs, your glutes, uh, you know, whatever, are, are getting the benefit of being able to lift 25 pounds more. Right. But just starting out, I would try to stay away from the belt because I would want to build up my, my lower back strength. And again, for uh, a lot of normal, you know, quote-unquote normal people or beginners in powerlifting, right. that's going to be a, a big concern, right, in maintaining that, you know, as much as we can. So that's that's a tool, right, no different than your straps for lifting lots of weight off the ground or splitting up the load on your grip strength, you know, when you're when you're actually challenging your grip strength and we're not using 35 pounds with a, a weightlifting belt on or something. Here. Right. Yeah. I mean, exactly. So what you what you want to do, for instance, if someone's just starting out, if I had someone come to me and uh, either, you know, had never done anything or, you know, they used to lift in high school and then they went on and had a career or something and now they want to get back into the gym or whatever, or they've been a couch potato, um, you know, besides the disclaimer, yes, they should see their doctor and, and, and all that stuff, you know, but assuming they have no, you know, other health issues that would prevent them, I would start them on some body weight exercises just to get them used to moving and the movements and to build some flexibility. And then I would start with the power lifts, but make sure they use really good form. Uh, for example, in the deadlift, you want to stay you know, as upright as possible um, you know, at the starting position. And again, there's all sorts of videos and things out there which you, you can you know, see what this is supposed to look like. But it means you're putting you know, more of the stress on your legs or or, um, or hips than on your lower back and your legs and hips are, are stronger than your lower back. Uh, so um, and then again I would make sure I had a well-rounded program. I would work my my you know it's fashionable to say the core but it's really your abs um, because they're the opposing muscles to the lower back mm-hmm. and you know by the way one aside on that people think they have to do like a million crunches and a million sit-ups and all that and not really. In fact, I do 
like, and people are astounded. I do like three sets a week of like some specific ab work because you'll find that if you squat or, or deadlift or even curl, standing and curl like a heavy weight, your abs are doing so much work. I mean, you know, for sake of argument, if you, just, if you squat 200 pounds and you walk back and you're holding 200 pounds on, you know, and then you do a squatting movement, um, your abs are getting so much work because, you know, if, if they didn't, you, you, you'd fold like a chair. You know, you wouldn't be able to do the, the, the exercise. And, um, you know, frankly, doing the power lifts are better for your abs or core than, you know, a million crunches or sit-ups because when in your life – do you ever do a motion like a sit-up? Yes, I mean, you know, you know, yeah. you know, I mean, you're, you're lying on the ground. All right. I mean, you know, okay, you get up and, you know, you get up from lying on the ground. You know, all right. So, you know, you're here at the beach, you're on the towel, you, you get up. That's kind of like a sit-up motion. Or you kind of get up from, you know, the chair. But, but, you know, lifting groceries out of the car and putting them on the top shelf, um, picking up your, your baby, um, you know, reaching up to clean out the gutters, um, you know, carrying anything, you know, you're standing upright and your abs have to support you. Uh, so, you know, it's better to mimic motions that are going to give you the strength in the, in the ranges where you're going to use it in real life. Yeah. Um, no, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. And I think that's, that's a good answer to your, your three things for sure. Um, but there's a lot of, a lot of value there. I think the shoes and the, um, what was your other component there? I'm just missing it here. The belt? The belt um, are, are both good things to consider. I think the shoes for sure I like. like the shoes are shoes. a lot more important because you that, that I find as I've gotten older, I'm more and more inclined. I used to be very much like just one set of shoes for everything, but now it's just shoes for every single possible application. So Almost as right. many well, as me. So. Yeah. Well, you know, as a, you know, I do have a, you know, one pair I use for squatting and one year pair I use for, for deadlifting because, like as I said, you want to heal or you don't want to heal. And it's your specific but, sport, too. But I think your point to, like, just not having your, you know, your jumbo, spongy, marathon running shoes yeah, exactly. is, is probably but if a I had someone coming to the, Yeah, not to talk over you. I apologize. No, if I had someone coming to the gym, you know, the first thing and they, they wanted to do this, I said, just, just get a pair of, like, normal sneakers. You know, yeah, like or, Chuck or not, Taylors not, or something like this, like a skateboard yeah. shoe even probably would be firm enough. Yeah. Well, it's funny. People, there's a, like a saying, people, friends don't let friends squat in Chuck Taylors. <laughs> really? Okay. Because, because there's, there's, they're perfectly flat. They don't have a heel. And for a while that was popular and people, but, but you need a heel. But there's actually a saying like that or a t-shirt, you know, friend. <laughs> but, but what I would, like you said, is I would stay away from the super bouncy, you know, what, you know, just get a good basic, you know, not to plug somebody, you know, Adidas, Adidas or Puma, you know, shoe that has a sole, but it's, you know, it's like your, like your cross training shoe even, but, but the cross training runs, they call it cross training and then they charge you three times as much, you know, cause it's a, so I would just get like a basic like sneaker, you know, and that's like not ultra spongy and you can test it. If you, if you start like bouncing across the floor, just walking, that's probably, you know, not good. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I no. think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's a good introduction. We covered a lot of stuff there. Um, I think we will call it here. I think we almost are going to have to get you back to, to maybe drill in on some of the specific movements. You were yeah, really, I'd, really I'd good. I'd love to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't want to take up too much of your time today. And I think that's a lot for people to digest as far as, you know, a couple of different workout ideas, what the moves are, the differentiation between the different sort of disciplines of strength training, why to do strength training. Um, yeah, there's a lot there. So thank you very much for your time, Robert. Um, we mm-hmm. w- did want to just mention your website. 
um, to finish off. Did you want to give that to us here? Sure. If, if people are, are, are interested in, in learning more about powerlifting or want to contact me you know, with specific questions, I'd be more than happy to, to help them. Uh, my, my website is weightlifterusa.com, but it's spelled W-8-L-I-F-T-E-R-U-S-A.com. Awesome. And I got that from actually I was renewing I had to renew my my license plate and my I'm not a personalized weight license plate kind of guy but my son came up with how about weightlifter W8 and he was 8 years old and we went wow where'd that come from right. so then so then I had to it was so precocious and to reward him you know I had to use that license plate so um it's W and then the the, the number 8 L I F T E R U S A dot com. Right. And we'll put that in the show notes too yeah, for absolutely. sure. And people can check yeah. that out. So, and if anyone wants to, it's pretty cheap to fly from the Toronto area, but people are all over the place and it's usually not too bad to fly to Newark or something there. So they could definitely get in near you and, and try and track you down if they wanted to get some really specific training and sort of spend, you know, a couple of days with you there. You know, obviously you have a lot of years and a lot of different uh, experiences there in the sport. So I think you'd be a, the person to go to if someone wanted to really get a fast track into powerlifting. Well, thank you, and absolutely, you know, I'd love to help people. You know, I'm, you know, one of the things you know that powerlifting engenders, and it's the same with cycling or any of those sports, is you know, you you kind of get into it and it develops a passion. So as you can tell, I love talking about it and I love helping people with it, and I'd be uh, you know more than happy to answer questions or get people you know started or or even show them you know how uh, powerlifting will help them in other sports. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Robert. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get you the show notes and stuff and get, let you know when the link goes up. And uh, Yeah, we'll definitely have to do part two soon because I want to break down squatting at some point too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could, Perfect. <laughs> I could talk in great detail about squatting. Let's <laughs> put that way. That's, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank right. you, Robert. Have a great day. We'll talk okay. to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you both. All right. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. We would love it if you'd go over to iTunes and leave us a review. And if you have any ideas or people you'd love to see on the podcast, feel free to tweet at us at Peter Glassford and at Molly J. Herford or find us over at consummateathlete.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.